celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Here comes another incredible show. Judy has booked uh, an amazing guest, a couple of amazing guests. One we've had on before, Shannon Cop. You might remember her. Was it 2016? 2016 so, with their book, Pound for Pound. Yeah, she uh, she was real sick. She was a bulimic, mm-hmm. throwing up about 20 times a day, and she went to therapy, she went to rehab, absolutely nothing worked for her. You know, she could have died. She ended up at a shelter, I believe a humane society in Southern California, to help out and to volunteer time, and that's when things changed for her dramatically, and she stopped with the throwing up. Wow, it turned her life around. It, it really did. And you know what? She noticed that it turned her life around so much, she thought maybe it could turn other people's lives around. So she's she's created a brand new 501c3 called Soul Pause. Soul Pause Recovery. And she'll be joining us and telling us all about that. Also very exciting on the show today. And I wish you could see this picture. I'll hold it up to the <laughs> microphone so you can see it. It's, I love that. It's a picture of a possum. And is it is it possum or opossum? That's an opossum. What's so what's the difference? There, there's a difference. There's the opossum, and then there's a possum. Really? Really. Um, yeah, a lot of people call you know our uh, North American opossums possums, but they really aren't. They're, it's a totally different um, animal in different parts of the world. So oh, I did not know ha- that. Yeah, we have opossums in North America, and um, in Australia, um, New Zealand, all of those islands, they have possums, and there is a big difference. They, their faces look different. Um, you know, the opossum, as we know, has no hair on its tail. It's got that kind of almost like a rat tail, yeah. and uh-huh. then the yeah. possum, it has quite the beautiful tail. It's very bushy, and then their faces are very different. Our possums have a little pointy noses, and then the um, you know the New Zealand ones are quite attractive. I think. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, so what's the what, what's the one that visits me at night that hangs out, only comes out at night? Is that a possum or opossum? There, that would be an opossum. She that just explained. We only have opossums here. here. Yeah. Okay. And they're a marsupial. Now, I know what, how mammals procreate, but I got to tell you, I have no idea how a marsupial procreates. What's the well, the difference with? is a marsupial, you know, they still breed. I'm not going to get into marsupial sex, but the difference is that the, the babies actually are in the pouch for a good part of their development. So instead of being within the womb and only being in the womb, they actually spend part of their time inside the pouch where they go on to develop further. Well, now, so how, do they, the how do they get from one place to the other? The little babies crawl in there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm still confused as ever on this whole thing, but I'm I'm looking forward to this. The reason I bring up the opossum is we're going to be talking to an opossum rescue today. Well, not the rescue, but a lady who works at an oh, opossum. Cool. There's I, all kinds of rescues. I never heard of an opossum rescue. I, this is the first. I didn't realize that there was a, a need for them. And I've learned that they apparently don't live very long lives either. So we're going to find out about oh, that really? coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Talking about unusual rescues, I remember a koi rescue that we did a story on. I thought that was fascinating. So there are tons of different kinds. Um, I have not heard of a goldfish rescue because there were some goldfish that were rescued from a California fire. And we will, I mean, really, they were in a very small pond. Amazing that they survived. But we'll give you their story. That's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie. And this portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Vetra Science. And just like their owners, 
our pets get older, their joints stiffen up, and jumping for joy becomes really difficult. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help to support joint health in your pet. And we thank VetraScience for underwriting Animal Radio. Uh, let's go to Margie. Hi, Margie. How are you? Hi, I'm fine, thanks. Where are you calling from today? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I love St. Louis, especially lately. How are you guys doing? You managing? I've got two cats, and my female's about 17 years old, I think. And um, I've never had a problem with her with shedding before, but I've got a Furminator. Now it seems like she's that's all she's doing is shedding. She just, I mean, if, and even when I comb her with it, it comes, it keeps coming out. She looks like how? Little, how often have you used the Furminator on her? Uh, well, I was using it. For, I used it because she was kind of mad in the spring, and then. Uh, I just use it whenever I see the you know the fur starting to come up on her, you know, and but I've um, I've been using this instead of a brush on her, and I was wondering if there's any harm in that, if it's you know, because even if I finish combing her, you know, like maybe a, ten minutes later she'll be laying down, she'll get up, and she still leaves puffs of fur. Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, with a, with a Furminator, um, I know it's a it's a um, it's sold to the general public, but it's it's more of a professional tool. It's something that you should not apply much pressure at all. You should just use the the um, weight of the um, tool itself to actually go through it. And sometimes you may have to do it for quite some time for a couple of days and then consistently do it over the next few weeks at least a couple of times each week in order to get all that dead coat out especially if it's something that you don't do on a regular base i like something that's a little bit better for um, people at home and that's a rubber curry brush that you can buy in any of your local um, pet stores and i'm not saying that the firm Furminator is a wonderful tool that works great but this is probably a little bit easier for you to use um, because really you don't have to worry about hurting the pet cutting the coat or damaging and the cats will kind of like it because it almost feels like a massage now, the other thing it could be it could be a combination it could be you know i mean as your pets start getting older their coat changes a little bit. They start to shed a little bit more. It could also be the environment. You know, pets' coats actually work, um, you know, ju- just like the environment. When the environment changes, so does their coat. I mean, so it could be a bunch of different things, but I think if you if you either kept using your Furminator or you went out and bought that um, curry brush, um, it'll definitely reduce it. And the other thing, which you may want to talk to our veterinarian about, is maybe might be nutritional as well. But I think the more that you use the um, the equipment, the more it's going to start to reduce. Margie, I do have to jump in, and, and Joey, and definitely some great ideas there. For what you're describing, this is not at all uncommon in a double-digit senior kitty. So meaning when I got grandma kitties of, of 17 years of age, one of the very common things people describe is that the pets have these clumps of hair coming out of them. And the reason is that we don't see them grooming like a, a younger cat does for various reasons. Sometimes it can be things like um, we have dental problems and oral pain and it doesn't feel good to groom like they used to. Um, other times it can be things like arthritis and it's uncomfortable to turn around and to groom themselves like they used to. And, and 
otherwise other medical things um, that can be more internal. So for me, if I see this on a physical exam with an old kitty, I actually, there's some things I can do medically to help. Um, you know, we'd have to examine your kitty and check some things out, but sometimes simple as glucosamine supplement can help with some of the arthritic discomfort. Um, and then staying up with the, the regular grooming as, as Joey described. And the one thing I will point out, and I know Joey, you've had experience with this, old cats, their skin is very thin and prone to injury. So I was just shuddering in my boots here when you said you were using a Furminator because it is so easy for an elderly cat to get injured with a well-intended um, pet owner, either you know brushing um, mats out or trying to cut them out. So um, you know this may be something you do need to either see your veterinarian or a professional groomer to get a little bit of help and make sure we don't have those mats building up causing skin infection underneath there. Yeah, right now the only place she gets, I know she's got, she's has to have been losing teeth or something because her tongue's starting to stick out of her mouth a little bit. There you rolls. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, this know. is this would be a reason I would tell you you need to take your kitty to the vet because if her tongue is sticking out and we have drool, those are two key symptoms of oral pain. So please please check um, things out with your veterinarian. Okay, they've got a qu- another question about cat food. Okay, uh, they both of my cats like pork. I mean, when I have pork steaks or a pork roast, they sit there, and my little female she'll sit there with her little paw and she'll paw me for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've been to the uh, grocery store and pet stores, and I look at all the ingredients on the cat foods, but there's never any pork. It's always lamb, beef, chicken, turkey, fish, but there's never any pork. Yeah, it, it's not a real common um, protein ingredient in pet foods um, for various reasons. But I think some of the, the other white meats tend to be a little bit um, you know, lower in the fat content. Um, and, and, you know, that's a great in, uh, question. I would love to ask some of the food manufacturers, you know, why they've passed over the pig. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I've, I've talked to one of the clerks at uh, the supermarket, and he says his, his cat likes uh, pork steak bones. He said he threw one out for his dog, and the cat ran out and grabbed it. And <laughs> when, he, oh, when he was finished with it, then the dog got it. But well, you know. Like, you know. And I, I know we had a dog at one time, a dachshund, that had a, was chewing on a pork, uh, pork roast bone, and he ended up, we took him to the emergency vet because mm-hmm. he was getting sick, and they said that it was pancreatitis, that pork does that to, you know, to dogs. Yeah, and that's where higher fat um, food, foods, whether it be you know home cooked foods, um, table scraps, or meats, if they have higher fat contents, that is a concern. That that can actually trigger a problem with the pancreas, um, causing abdominal pain, vomiting. It can be life threatening. So, yeah, that that may be part of the reason we, pork isn't our mainstay in dogs and cats. Does that answer some questions for you there, Margie? It sure does. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Margie's listening on KTRS AM 550 in St. Louis. Toll free 1-866-405-8405. And I said it twice because I want you to remember it. It has kind of a gist to it. It doesn't uh, doesn't spell anything. Kofluggen, I think, is what it spells. But it, it's, it's pretty memorable. Write it down now so that if you have a question maybe next week, or the following week, or just if it's during the middle of the week, because we answer our phones all week long. And if you have an animal question, you can call us toll free. Here it is one more time, one 405 8405 Unless you're a bill collector, then we have another number for you. <laughs> this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, Vetra Science has the supplement for all of your pet's needs. 
Thanks, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio, and in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Shannon Cop. You might remember her. We talked to her about six months ago. She was the, the gal that had that horrible eating disorder, a bulimia, I believe, and she was throwing up 20 times a day after she ate. Wow. And there was nothing that could fix her. There was, she went to therapy. She went to, she had all kinds of doctors. It wasn't until she met a dog at, I believe, a San Diego or Los Angeles dog rescue or dog pound. They, I guess no one says pound anymore, a dog shelter. <laughs> and uh, she met this dog and her life changed. She started taking care of the dog and she started taking care of herself. And we'll be talking to her in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there? Well, there's one country that says, I'm, it's going to be a, a little trivia question for you. Okay. Uh, where how many birds are killed? One million birds are killed every day, every week, or every year. Do your homework, and we'll tell you in a little bit. First, your calls, one 405 8405 Hi, who is this? This is Casey. Hey, Casey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? Where are you now? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Okay, you are on with Dr. Debbie. Hello, well, hi, Casey. I've got a seven-year-old blue healer German Shepherd mix, and about a week ago, she developed a bald spot on her uh, mm-hmm. right rear hip. She scratched at it for a day or so, and it, it's not a bald spot. She's not been scratching at it any longer, but it's still just bald as it could be. And that's, uh, you know, we're about a week, maybe a week and a half down the road now. It doesn't seem to be improving or getting worse. And um, so she was pretty bothered by it originally, though? Uh, yeah. In fact, when I first noticed it, uh, you know, a lot of dogs, you can scratch them on the belly and such, and they'll kick their legs. Uh-huh. She's never been one to do that. And she did there for just a couple of days, right, when I noticed that bald spot. Her skin is kind of crawl when you kind of, you know, pet her across her back. Uh-huh. And okay. all that stopped within just a couple of days, but the bald spot's still there. Has Casey ever had any kind of skin problems in the past that you can ever recall? No, she never has. Never has. All right. Well, that scratch reflex that you're describing, and we look for that a lot of times with dogs as a sign that they're having intense itching, and, and that can definitely be from a lot of different things, whether we're talking about an allergy or an infection. And, and I guess I'd have one more question for you kind of before we go any further is has Casey had any kind of vaccinations recently any kind of shots of any sort uh no she hasn't had a rabies shot about three months ago 
Okay, three months ago. The reason I ask that is just there is an occasional um, situation where a pet can have a little bald spot that develops at the site of the rabies shot um, or some other vaccines. It can happen with other injections as well, but sometimes we'll see that on the right leg because a lot of veterinarians give the rabies shot in that area. So that's a possibility, but gosh, I just don't think that would really make uh, Casey very itchy or scratchy. Um, and you're you're calling from Texas, but do you travel to other states as well? Yeah, we're we drive a truck. She gets to go all over the country, so naturally she's exposed to a lot of different things. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that you know you're going through so many different states, and in Texas there's a lot of. Uh, problems with fleas um, and a lot of potentials for parasites so things such even as ticks and um, those can definitely cause some problems where we can see itching and scratching the other potentials we could have even like a hot spot and uh, have you ever heard of that before uh yeah i've heard of it hot spots are kind of interesting things and it's kind of a layman's term and you know it's mostly we we describe it that's saying that's like it's a hot area you know it's hot with inflammation or infection and um sometimes that truly is the case um with a hot spot we can actually actually see that from an infection or an allergy that starts it off and it's an area where um, the pet is very scratchy, very itchy. Um, we'll even see some moist um, crusting in the area. So, you know, if you kind of look at it, it's like a big scabby area and the hair might even come out of that uh, area very easily with just mild plucking. So that might be something. And if that's the case, we really need to get Casey on some antibiotics, um, see about getting that area cleaned up, um, you know, maybe some medicated shampoos. Um, so I don't know if you have that ability. Is, is Casey pretty much up for any kind of uh, bathing, uh, any kind of topical things? Have you ever had to try that before? No, you know, she's never really had any sort of issues whatsoever. But, uh, I don't know. I guess my question was, is this something you'd recommend I go ahead and take her into a veterinarian for Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this is, you know, especially since you described that it was bothering her so bad. Um, anything that starts off that way, you know, when our pets start telling us and, and having such a drastic change in their behavior and, you know, focusing on that area, then I'd say, yeah, definitely, there's something there we need to address. And hopefully it's just something where we can try with antibiotics or anti-itching, allergy medicines. There's so many things that we have out there. Um, so I would say that definitely that would be the first step. And uh, from there, I would, uh, you know, definitely look to see if there's anything parasite-wise. And I'm assuming with Casey, you're traveling. Is she on heartworm prevention and flea and tick prevention? Uh, she's not really on anything. I don't know. I thought uh, it might have been a, a something where she got too much protein or something. Uh, a lot of times for at home, she gets to eat what I eat rather than dog food. She'll eat a lot of steak. Oh, no. I don't want to like hear that. about that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, that, that. That's like ringing in veterinary ears right now. <laughs> But actually, really? you did say one. You said one thing when when you said she's not really on any heartworm prevention. I've got to stop you there, and I'm going to be a crusader for Casey's health right now. And I think you really need to see about getting her on some prevention. So go get that skin thing looked at. But heartworm disease is carried by mosquitoes. Pretty much every state has it, and all it takes is one bite of a mosquito to pass that. So I would definitely encourage you. I know you called about the skin thing, but I'm going to put my commercial in for her and to make sure we keep her healthy and protected. That's what we're going to do. I thank you so much. Thanks. Drive carefully. We appreciate your call. Thank you. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And we thank Red Barn for underwriting Animal Radio. 
Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. I'm David Bellamy of the Bellamy Brothers, and we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. An Arizona state lawmaker has introduced a bill there that will fine people up to $250 if they're caught trying to pass their pets off as service animals in public places. According to an attorney with the Arizona Center for Disability Law, current federal law says business owners are only allowed to ask people with service animals two questions. Those questions are, number one, is your animal a service animal that is required for your disability? You're not allowed to ask what the disability is. The second question they can ask is, what task or work has your service animal been trained to do? Now, those are the two questions that may be asked, but those business owners may not ask people for proof that their pet or animal is, in fact, a certified service animal. Business owners are also not allowed to force or request pet owners to demonstrate the skill that their pet is uh, trained or supposedly trained to do, but they are allowed to ask people to leave if a service animal is behaving uh as a service animal should not behave, like in a threatening way, going to the bathroom inside the establishment or causing an unnecessary distraction for other patrons, which you really wouldn't see, or I've never seen anyway, a real service animal do. Well, I have seen this statistic before, and it is so incredible that experts are now doing some more research to see how they can change this. In Australia, it's estimated that cats kill more than one million birds every single day. Wow. Every day. Hmm. Yeah. In, in one research project, scientists did a review of about 100 previous studies that were conducted all across the continent. They found that 316 million birds are killed by feral cats every year in Australia, and another 61 million birds are killed by pet cats. And the really scary part of those numbers is that more than 300 species of birds are impacted, and 71 of those bird species are their existence is already threatened, so it's kind of dangerous, a little precarious. And an interesting note from this study, it's not usually the very small birds that are the targets of wildcats. They say the medium-sized birds are most likely to be killed by wildcats. The fires last year in California that happened late in the year affected a lot of people and pets and, and brought out some heroes, too. A group of young men were scouring a neighborhood, and they found something shocking in the scorched remains of this neighborhood. It was a whole bathtub full of these just regular common goldfish. 
Now, somehow, the fish had survived the fire in this bathtub that was made out to be a garden pond. It was in somebody's former backyard. That fire had wiped out many homes in the neighborhood, but luckily the fish were rescued about three weeks after the fire. The 21-year-old student rescuer has now set up an aquarium for them in his father's home and his mother is also helping out by posting signs of her son rescuing the fish around the burned-out neighborhood. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We will go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes. The numbers are toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. But first, we're going to visit with an old friend. Shannon Kopp is joining us. And you might remember, we spoke to her, I believe it was 2016, perhaps, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And she, uh, she said, at the time, well, prior to that time, she was bulimic. She would throw up uh, a lot. How many times a day would you throw up? Um, at my worst, it was about 20 times a day. Holy moly. You were, that's really a disorder that could cause death, a fatal disorder. I mean, that's, you, uh, you tried doctors, you tried therapy, really nothing worked for you until you Mm -hmm. met a dog down, uh, where, what shelter was that at? The San Diego Humane Society. And what happened at that point in time in your life that changed that? Well, I got a job working with the shelter dogs there. I was their marketing coordinator. So essentially, my job was to get to know the homeless dogs that were there. Lots of pit bulls, chihuahuas, and mixes, but some purebreds too, and some labs. Um, To take them on local news stations, radio stations, to take them to fairs, and just introduce them to the world. So my job was essentially to spend eight hours a day with these loving shelter dogs. And I got that job right out of um, treatment. I had been hospitalized. I went to rehab. This was my eighth year uh, with bulimia. I was really beginning to think I was a hopeless case. And um, I continued to work with a therapist and Normally, her recommendations were nothing I could ever follow through with in the moment. It was, it's a hard thing to explain, but the urges to binge and, and to purge were so strong that, you know, I could never do a, any other coping mechanism than that. And one day, I was binging in, in the break room on a bunch of sweets volunteers had made, and I heard my therapist's voice say, can you commit to going to see a shelter dog? And it was the first time ever ever in eight years a thought like that interrupted my binge and I walked out of that break room and to the right was the bathroom and to the left were the dog kennels and I went right to the dog kennels and I sat with this big dog named Paloma Um, we had nicknamed her Kim K because she had a really big butt and (laughs) she had been hit by a car (laughs) she had been hit by a car and she was doing great but one of her back legs was shorter than the other so she had this adorable little strut when she walked she was a big white loving pit bull and I went into that that kennel feeling horrible and full and uncomfortable and hopeless and that dog completely unaware of her size sat on my lap for 
30 minutes, grounded me. I held on to her. I stroked her fur. I looked into her eyes. I let her kiss and slobber all over me. And I did not get up and leave that kennel until I was confident I wasn't going to purge. And that was the beginning of my recovery. And I learned to begin turning to these animals who would never judge me, who would never give me a lecture, who had no expectations, who did not care what I did the night before. They just loved me and they were so happy to see me and I couldn't believe that, you know, because at that point I was so convinced I was unlovable. And these animals accepted me in the most profound way. So I really began turning to them when I was having these urges and it worked. And it's been eight years now. Wow. Um, full recovery wow. from bulimia. That yeah, is, that and is I, great. And I continue to work with shelter dogs and I have my own rescue dog, of course, who's sitting at my side and she continues to help me. Who is that with you? That's Bella. Bella. <laughs> yes. So now what have you been up to since we last spoke? Because I know it's a lot. Yes, I um well my book came out and that was such an incredible experience. I've connected with people all over the world about the healing power of the paw. Um I founded a nonprofit called Soul Paws Recovery Project and essentially we offer free animal assisted therapy to people impacted by eating disorders in San Diego. So every month we have um either miniature horses, dogs, puppies, rabbits, guinea pigs, um, and rats. Sometimes we combine the dogs and the horses, and we combine the different small animals, and we provide an hour workshop to anyone that's struggling with food and body issues. And, you know, especially in this new year when we're kind of bombarded by all these messages about changing our body and changing ourselves and becoming a new, improved version of us, you know, the message at Soul Paws is animals love us just as we are. We are perfect just as we are, and we do different exercises with these animals that have had a really profound impact on people of all ages. Um, I've One woman came to us in her 50s and said she'd never asked for help for her eating disorder before, but the idea of coming to a room filled with therapy dogs was a lot easier than going into a therapist's office. Wow. So sometimes it's easier to start there, to start with the animals, telling our truth, practicing truth-telling getting rid of the shame, and, and then we can build up to speaking perhaps with a therapist or maybe even going to treatment, perhaps a treatment center that incorporates animal-assisted therapy. So um, it's been an incredible journey. We're looking to expand Soul Paws. We also offer online workshops. So you can learn about those at soulpawsrecovery.org. That's S-O-U-L, recovery.org. And then the last thing I've been up to is I've joined forces with Eating Recovery Center. Um, we have treatment centers all across the country um, treating anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. And I've been sharing my message of hope and recovery and obviously talking a lot about the healing power of the paw because oh. that's a big part of my story. It's an incredible... Shannon. Oh, I, I, this is Dr. Debbie. Here. You know what? Hold on, Dr. Debbie. I'm going to take a quick break here. We've got to pay some okay. bills. And then okay. uh, you're up, okay? How's that sound? Stick around. We are with Shannon Cop. It is Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio. And please don't forget... 
Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. If you think putting a supercharged V8 in a sedan is crazy or just plain wrong, well, we've got news for you. We don't care. Dodge, welcome to the Brotherhood of Muscle. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio, and we are with Shannon Kopp, a truly inspirational story. She suffered from bulimia and an eating disorder, a really fatal eating disorder, and she couldn't find any way to cure herself except until she ran into a dog that she met at at a shelter. And that changed her life. She realized that animals are great therapy, and they can really help you with these kinds of things. And she's created her own 501c3 to help others with food disorders. I guess, I guess that, is that what they call it, food disorders or eating disorders, right? Eating disorders. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it took me a long time to even admit I had an eating disorder. So we just say food and body issues. If you're struggling with accepting your body, if your mind is really focused, obsessed, stressing out over food, then soul pause is a good place for you. Before the break, Dr. Debbie, you had a question and I cut you off so rudely. I'm oh, so sure. sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. I wondered, Shannon, um, how many of the people that you help with soul pause um, already have pets of their own um, or is it something different about these being shelter animals? Um. Well, it's a combination of shelter and rescue animals and then therapy animals. So not all of them come from the shelter. All the small animals do. Um, And a lot of the, you know, some of the people that come are coming actually from treatment centers. So they are being hospitalized or are in a treatment center currently. And sometimes this can be for a long time. It can be for weeks, months, I've even heard years. And so they're away from their family pets. They're away from um, those animals that they love so much. And this is really important and special for them. Some people are just in the situation that I was in, you know, the first year I worked at the Humane Society, I think I was the only person there that did not have a pet. And that was simply not because I wasn't dying to have one, but I could barely take care of myself. So I did not want to put another life at risk. Mine was already at risk. So some people that come to Soul Paws are, it's a part of their treatment process in addition to outpatient therapy and, and treatment. And so they're not... Um, in a place yet where they can adopt a dog of their own. So they come to Soul Paws for that healing and companionship. And then, of course, there are those that have animals at home. And what they can do at Soul Paws is learn practices. We do different meditation practices. We do different therapeutic exercises that they can then take home with them and practice with their pets at home. Aside from yourself, do you have any other success stories? Is there anybody that you yeah. really comes to mind? Someone I met when she was in treatment, she told me she was um, she struggled with uh, bulimia and also uh, exercise addiction. 
Um, and then she also struggled with substance use. She told me that she was thinking about leaving treatment. Um, she was in her early 30s and had just checked in when um, the resident therapy dog there climbed into her lap and convinced her to stay. And she stayed in treatment, completed her treatment, um, made incredible progress. And then when she was discharge, she was really frightened. She was she was terrified that um, she was going to relapse without that structure and support. So she um, adopted a dog of her own, started coming to Soul Paws. And I can tell you that today she's been coming for a year. She's recently signed on as a board member with Soul Paws. Oh, she is um, doing great in her recovery. She's actually going to school now and um, her life has transformed and she claims that soul pause is a really important part of that. We also have a woman um, who struggled with binge eating disorder, went to treatment for that and um, says that she feels no, you know, there's not a place in the world she feels safer than when she's at soul pause um, with the animals and with other people who really understand what she's going through. So lots of different stories and I'm just so excited to be a part of it. I'm so excited to share what I discovered at the Humane Society with others um, and um, to watch animals do their magic, which is really love, you know, the way they love us, the way they make us feel. It's so unconditional. It is unconditional. And I think when you're dealing with eating disorders, there's so much shame. Um, There's so much self-talk and, you know, thoughts, compulsive, obsessive thinking. That is really, really a healing experience to be with an animal that um, will not trigger your shame. Even, you know, even people, the most loving, supportive people, my therapist, I struggled to be honest with about my eating disorder. I would have never, I never admitted to her as, as great as she was. And we worked together for 10 years. When I was struggling throwing up 20 times a day, I never told her that. I was so ashamed. But I could tell a dog that. And that was kind of the bridge for me. And eventually I would tell my therapist. But the shame was almost palpable. It was, it, it was something that really prevented my recovery. And so it makes sense to me that animals who are going to love us no matter what, um, particularly therapy animals, and then these shelter dogs that are just desperate for love. It's a really powerful thing. Mm, Absolutely. I I wish we had more time. I always have so much fun talking with you. We'll have to do it again. I'm sure you'll you'll be up to some amazing things in this brand new year and we will stay in touch. Okay. What's the website? One more time, Shannon. Soul Paws Recovery, and that's S O U L P A W S Recovery.org. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Water beds were a big hit in the 70s, but lately they're a big hit with cows. Dairy farmer Kirk Christie says his cows give milk while resting on water beds and watching a flat screen TV. He says the specially made cow water beds were a big hit with his cows from the beginning. They provide heat in the winter and cool them in the summer depending on the water he pipes in. Happy cows produce more milk and since the water beds, milk production has jumped up 20%. Christy installed the TV because he said the cows were so used to just hearing his voice that when visitors came by they'd get scared. Now they get a chance to meet new people on TV and according to Christy, they like Oprah and Dr. Phil. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Hey.
Those big scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. She is perhaps the smartest woman I know. I'm talking about Dr. Debbie. You want to talk to her? You have a question about your animal? Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. She teaches me so much. Last hour, I learned, yes, there's a difference between a possum and possum, one spelled with an O, uh, one spelled with a P. I just thought that perhaps the possum was just missing the O. Somebody maybe spelled it incorrectly. You know, thought it was, isn't it a spelling thing? It isn't. There's two different, two different kinds of animals. Are they both marsupials? They are both marsupials, but totally different ranges of where they live and their physical appearances are very different. But, you know, a lot of people, I think we slang talk, we talk about possums, you know. Yeah. At least in you know, Indiana, we talk about possums. <laughs> Southern Indiana. I'm from up north, so I actually don't have that accent. So. <laughs> I blame the Beverly Hillbillies because they always talk about possum pie. Yes, they do. And it should have been opossum pie, right? Correct. It's yes. Terrible. See, you're correcting yeah. them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks to you. The reason we're bringing up the opossums is because there's an opossum rescue. Oh, Judy has just uh, Googled pictures of possums. That's a possum. That's That's a possum. That's an Australian possum. That's different from our... Oh, possum. Here, here, hold it up to the microphone yes. so listeners can see. They're kind of cute. They are. You know, they've yeah. got that little short face. They kind of look like almost a gizmo, like a little gremlin or something. Yeah, and they've got they got this bushy cute. tail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got to say, I, I think the opossums are absolutely adorable. They're just cute. But I'm a little concerned about this rescue. I want to know what is really going on there. What are, they, are there pet opossums? Should there be a pet opossums? Do people have pets like that? They do see, um, we see some opossums come through my office that people have them as pets. And I think a lot of people get them when they're um, little newborns. And then if you bobble feed them, they tend to be um, a better pet than, you know, just catching an adult in the wild and trying to make them a pet. That, I t- will tell you, is, is is not something I would advise for the, the tame at heart. Um, but, you know, when you get them young, um, they, they tame to you and they can be raised and, and live with people. But it's not for everybody. And we certainly, you know, they're wild animals. So you want to keep that in mind um, before you bring one into your home. I have so many questions for this lady, and that's coming up this hour in just a few minutes. Uh, Lori, Lori Brooks, our news director yeah. from the Animal Radio Newsroom, what do you have for this hour? Um, there is now, for the first time outside of California, a city in a state that has decided to ban the decline of cats. Oh, so I love it. It's another movement Woo-hoo. that's moving on. Okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes. But first, your calls. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to reach out to Doctor Debbie. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need, from Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress. Vetra Science has the supplement for all of your pets' needs. Thanks, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. Which one, Judy? Two. Line two. We have. Uh, is it Lois? Hey, Lois. Hi. How are you today? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I have Doctor. Found De- you. Huh? You just found us? 
Yeah. Where have you been? I missed you. I was going, where is <laughs> Lois? Lois, I want you to meet Dr. Debbie. Hey there. She's our veterinarian. Hi. She'll answer your vet medical questions. So what do you have going on, Lois? Okay, I have two Maltese. One, I was, someone gave her to me, said, please take my baby. I just can't, you know, handle her. Well, Aww. I took her, and she has this problem where she licks her feet. She licks and she licks. She wakes me up at night. She licks. She's got my other Maltese licking. I've been to the vet. They gave her, they told me to get Benadryl. That works okay. when it rolls off. Then, of course, you know, it's back again. Then uh, I went back to the vet, and they gave her some steroids, which I didn't like, but we tried it. Didn't have any, any you know, I bought some expensive tubes that stuff this post to make her not lick, and she licks. You can hold her and love on her, and as you're doing it, she licks. Oh. So you said the other dog is now doing this behavior as well? The other dog is now doing it, yes, ma'am. And that's the one I had since she was four months old. Oh, okay. Now, on the foot area, do you see any areas where there's lost hair or there's sores or red spots? No, but I did go to the groomers. They used to go once a month. They had that real long hair to the floor, but I had the groomer cut it all off. They gave gave both of them a, a poodle puppy feet cut. They're all shaved off stuff from their ears and their tail. And okay. they just lick. So my friend says, we'll just follow them out. Just poke them a little, like a mother dog would, and go, eh. So I did oh that. <laughs> and it worked, but I'm not always there to do that. And well, sure, you got to sleep at night, right, Lois? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you know, the, the number one thing that causes dogs to lick their feet is allergies, the whole category of allergies in some form, whether they're inhalant allergies or food-related allergies. And if we saw some improvement with Benadryl, you know, maybe it's, you know, an allergy kind of playing role. But uh, you said the prednisone, the steroid, nothing happened with that and nothing got better? The Benadryl slowed it down. So as it wore off, they started licking. And I don't want to keep them, you know, doped Mm -hmm. up. Yeah, and you know, if a pet isn't responding with an itching or a licking behavior when we're giving a steroid, to me it says, eh, let's stop our direction because, you know, generally that works pretty nicely for most types of allergies. It doesn't work super for food-related allergies. So my number one thing I'd say is in that category is, you know, I'd get these kids on a hypoallergenic diet, something that's um, prescribed by your veterinarian preferably so they can guide you through those steps and find something, stick with that for about four to six weeks and see if the foot licking um, decreases. If not, we may try another diet. But that's one thing that um, we can try from the source and try um, more uh, directly to control some of this itching. The other things to think about, when I have a dog that's itching and licking and I have multiple dogs in the house all doing the same behavior, I got to think about something infectious. And you know, not to scare you or freak you out, but there are some types of infections that um, dogs can have that can mimic normal things like allergies that we kind of blame for just about every skin condition out there. Um, and it's natural. We just want to, you know, kind of say, oh, he's just got allergies. That's why he licks that hole in his side or chews his feet or always has sores on his belly. That That's a common thing. But we can see microscopic parasites or mites that can be present in sometimes just select areas of a pet's body. It doesn't always have to be generalized like fleas or ticks. The other thing is we can run into... Um, Uh, fungal infections, kind of like ringworm. And the foot area is not uncommon to either mites 
or fungal infection. So that for me would be, you know, I, I love CSI. I love kind of getting to the nitty gritty of finding out why these things happen and not just trying to throw medicine at, at animals that we don't really need to. So my recommendation would be have your vet take a couple samples, have them check for mites, have them check for a ringworm by a test method. And, um, try to rule that out as a possibility. But many pets, I will actually go on forward. If we've got multiple doggies in the house, I'll treat them for mites for a couple months and see if we're seeing any improvement in that foot licking and chewing. Um, because honestly, I can't tell you how many pets that I've seen come in year after year. Oh, I need medicine for the allergies. And then one time I finally get my samples and I finally get to do some tests and I say, wow, how do you feel about your dog having mites in their feet or in their back all this time? And we've been using the wrong approach. So definitely I'd say, you know, that would be one important step for you there. And, uh, you know, there are some doggies that foot licking, it can be a behavioral uh problem. So almost like an OCD issue. Um, before I blame that as a possible thing for your babies, um, you know, I'd want to make sure we check out these medical things and, and see if we can try some other remedies. Because, yeah, there, there's a lot more we can do for your babies there. Um, and little Maltesas, I bet their little feet are probably kind of stained red or even brown if they're licking them a lot, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's a rusty looking, especially on it's... the one that was given to me. The other one, she just, she doesn't do it that much. But uh, when she sees the one do it, then she starts to do it. If I'm home, I say no. You know, she's still mm-hmm. starting to look at me, glare at me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But you know, these white dogs typically this brown staining. It almost looks like rust on their fur. It's from a pigment that is found in dog saliva and in their tears. So it's not blood necessarily, things like that. But yeah, that very kind of red brown staining is just a sign. It's a veterinary sign. We look around. If I see that, I usually can tell. Your baby's been licking, huh? <laughs> so, and, and so. she also, if you go to pet her, she'll lick your hand as she's coming to you. You'll try to pet her, and she licks you the whole tree. That, that tongue just never stops. Oh, okay, yeah. She, so she might have a little bit of some uh, doggy OCD there for that explanation. So, oh, gosh, there's so many things we can try for your baby. And I think that might be the, the key here is we, we need to kind of start some other remedies, do a little diagnostic test, and make sure we head down the right path here. Because, um, yeah, the, we could have a lot of different options here for your baby and what might be the right answer. So I hope that's not too much info to throw at you there, Lois, but we can do some things and, and uh, give your babies a little scratch on the head and uh, a little, a lick on the ear if they like that or if you want to do that <laughs> you're not grossed out this is dr debbie we are waiting for your call at one 405 8405 those are my digits call them to talk to dr debbie this portion of animal radio is underwritten by vetra science just like their owners pets get older their joints stiffen up and jumping for joy becomes difficult Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help to support joint health in your pet. And we thank you, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Things looked pretty grim for the four baby opossums. They were found in the marsupial pouch of their mother who had been killed by a car. But two Virginia Beach vets and a wildlife rehabilitator came up with a perfect solution. Evelyn Glendis already had one mother possum in her backyard sanctuary, so when she heard about the orphans, she suggested a possum switcheroo. 
The mother possum had 11 babies called Joey's, but they were old enough to leave the pouch, so they sedated her, put the four new Joey's in her pouch, and when she woke up, she just started taking care of the new ones like her own. Now, if we could only teach those possums how to cross the street. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is so easy to reach out to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. You can call this toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. Or you could download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry and ask your questions directly from the app. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Uh, coming up in, oh, about 20 minutes or so, we're going to talk to Beth Sparks. And she runs a opossum, as I learned earlier, different than possum, opossum rescue. She rescues really? opossums. Go figure. I have so many questions. I hope we have enough time. <laughs> also on the way in just a few minutes, Lori Brooks from the Animal Radio Newsroom. What do we have going on today? Hey, we got the ball rolling. We've been talking so long about, you know, dogs being, um, or pets altogether, uh, being considered property, right, under the eyes of the law. Uh-huh. Now we have two states, one just added the beginning of this year, where a judge will now decide custody for pet parents. Really? Really? Yeah, so two, two states out of 50, we're on a roll. Okay. Boy. Well, that's on the way in just a few minutes. I'm looking forward to that news story, but... I'm really looking forward to talking to you first. Let's see. Let's head to John. Hey, John, how are you doing? Hi. Hi, this is John. So what do you got going on? Oh, I got a little puppy, six months old, and she's a miniature poodle, and she's sweet as can be. We're worried about feeding her ice cream. We don't know anything about that sort of thing. Okay. You're, you're worried about it? Is she currently eating ice cream? Yeah, we feed her a dog once in a while. Vanilla. Okay. So you're looking to ask me for permission to give your dog ice cream, is that right? <laughs> Will it hurt her? Well, it depends. Um, there are certainly dogs that are, have very sensitive stomachs, and veering from their uh, regular diet can upset their system. The interesting thing that people need to recognize is that dogs and cats, a good majority of them, are actually lactose intolerant. Um, so that's something to think about when we start offering them different dairy products, that that can cause some dietary upset. And it may not be a life-threatening illness, but, you know, we might talk about excess gas, soft stools, maybe some vomiting. As a child, I can tell you my dog, uh, he definitely dined on uh, cleaning the uh, ice cream bowl, a regular occurrence. So a little bit probably is not going to be a big deal. But in general, there's a lot of fat in ice cream and calories that we really just don't need to do. So I'm not going to give you that clearance to say it's okay to give ice cream. It would just be something I would try to discourage. <laughs> that, that's interesting. The local young man at a pet store suggested I put some uh, uh, peanut butter in uh, what 
wet dog food and freeze it and then like give them that. Well, that can be kind of a fun treat, but I would say rather than put it in the food, frozen peanut butter can be very useful when we're uh, trying to get dogs to uh, be occupied, chew on toys. So you can take a little bit of peanut butter, stick it inside a Kong or another kind of chewing toy and keep them occupied. I don't want to just give dogs food. That really, it's it's pretty ungratifying. I mean, yes, they, they like to eat it and it's yummy, but it doesn't really occupy their mind or their chewing instinct. So I like the frozen peanut butter in a toy. I don't like throwing it in the bowl. That's just, it's not letting a dog be a dog. Okay, thank like you. That. One last, one, well, two last okay. questions. I just got told yesterday that it's bad to feed, dangerous to feed a dog. Uh, I didn't quite catch that. Dangerous to feed dog grapes. Grapes. Yes, that's actually true. Um, grapes and raisins have the potential to cause kidney failure in dogs. And it's very true. And, and that's another thing where people will say, I've done it before and my dog is perfectly fine. It's something they're looking at. They don't know really what the toxic principle is, but it can happen. So do not feed grapes or raisins to your dogs. Thank you, Debbie. And what about chocolate? Chocolate. Oh, that's another one. Chocolate's a no-no. And um, small amounts aren't likely to be toxic, but you can certainly get a taste. They'll develop a taste for chocolate. And my own dear Labrador had ingested several pounds of chocolate items and had the world's worst chocolate toxicity. He had heart arrhythmias, uh, vomiting. It, it was a really bad state. So it can be toxic in large amounts. So um, I don't like to do it at all. Uh, okay, we don't do that. We just feed your vanilla, little scoop of vanilla, a tiny little tablespoonful. Yeah, and there's so many, you know, fun, kind of healthy dog treats out there that can be flavored like chocolate, but they really don't contain chocolate. So if you feel the urge to give something like that, you can always reach to the to the pet store to find something. Thank you, Debbie. We have a list over at the uh, website at animalradio.com of foods you should not feed your dog, which uh, includes, of course, grapes and raisins. Thank you for listening, John. I appreciate your call today. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with our dream team here at Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. My blind dog makes more money than I do. That's Dee Dee Murray. She's a painter and so is her dog, Hallie. She can't even see. I thought I had a pretty good year, but she she made more money than I did last year. Hallie's a long-haired dachshund that Dee Dee adopted about 11 years ago and the dog recently went blind. Hallie paints and has saved lots of dogs with the money she's made off the sale of those paintings. It's a little hard on the ego, but I'm so proud of her. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she's an amazing talent. Because of Hallie, we've saved lives. Hallie paint. Good girl. That's good. We're always talking about getting your dog to behave the way you want with positive motivation, setting your dog up for success, and taking baby steps when you try to teach your dog to do something or behave a certain way. And Dee Dee's a master of knowing how to do that. She paints faster, the better the treat is. That's it. Go ahead and paint. There you go. Good girl. Hallie's 13 years old, and Dee Dee sure knows how to get her best work. She tends to paint in the same area. All the money from the sale of Hallie's paintings goes to a nonprofit that helps abandon and abuse dogs. Every dime. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, don't get me going. But yeah, yeah, yes, very proud, yeah. Pretty impressive stuff when you find out that Hallie the dog is blind and nearly deaf as well. And it just goes to show, with calm leadership, positive reinforcement, and patience, you can teach a dog to do amazing things. She can't even see. 
It's just amazing. Dee Dee knows Hallie's days are numbered, but if you give a dog what they need, they'll pay it back 10 times. She is my life. You know, I do everything with her. It took a few months for Dee Dee to train Hallie to paint, and you have to take it step by step and slow. But look at the rewards you get when you spend time with your dog. Because let's face it, all they want to do is please you. Yeah. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hi, I'm Charlotte Ross on Animal Radio. Please remember to spay and neuter your pets. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Divorcing couples in Illinois who cannot agree on who gets to keep the pets will now be able to have a judge decide custody thanks to a new state law there. Usually companion animals, if you've never been through this before, are treated like property to be divvied up between the couple because in most states, pets are classified as property, much like furniture and appliances and the like. But with the rise of two-income families who are opting not to have children, the issue of pet custody is becoming much more common because people are couples anyway. A lot of times you're having pets instead of children. So under the new Illinois law, which went into effect on the first of the year, judges in the state will now have clear guidance when they have to decide whether to award sole custody to just one of the pet parents, or maybe they will rule that they must share custody of the pets. Factors, they say, will include things like who takes care of the pet on a day-to-day basis and who spends all the money on things like food and health care for the pet. But uh, this is not all that new because last year it was Alaska that became the first state in the country in which judges added pet custody to their dockets. Um, my pet will be going to, to training, so at least I'll get is that for that if I ever get a divorce. <laughs> is that Tater in the background there? That's Tater. He has a bone he wants me to throw. It's not a bone. It's a, a toy bone. Well, then you better hurry Lovely, up and get your good news. Yes. <laughs> Denver has become the first city in Colorado now to ban elective cat declawing. The city has uh, decided it will now prohibit veterinarians from performing the procedure unless it's medically necessary. And that makes Denver the first major U.S. city outside of California, that is, to make this move since they passed it in November. However, the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association opposes that new law. It's not like it sounds, though. The association says the decision to declaw a cat or not should be left up to a veterinarian and the pet owner. But like many vets around the country, uh, most veterinarians these days simply just don't offer the surgery any longer. And a nonprofit group called Fences for Fido has built an off-leash dog park for pets who belong to homeless women. Volunteers were there to put up the fencing recently at a church up in Washington State. The church runs its own safe parking program. And this program allows 40 to 50 women and their families to stay in their cars in the church parking lot because they're homeless. So a lot of times 
that car is a safer place for them to be. The Portland-based Fences for Fido says it was really important for them to step up to help the women be able to keep their pets. Since the church was already allowing them to use their parking lot, their kitchen, and Wi-Fi service. So, a great new program. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Justin Silver from CBS's Dogs in the City here on Animal Radio. Just reminding you to always stay in new to your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio. And I've been doing this show for, we're in, this is our 18th year. Yes, we're, start, we're starting our 18th year doing Animal Radio. God, hard to believe I've held a job <laughs> this long. And I still learn something every week. Something new that I didn't know about animals. This week, I learned that there's a difference between a possum and opossum. They're I didn't know that apparently either. Apparently, two different animals, according to Dr. Debbie. Yes, they're both marsupials, but from different places. Yeah. I just thought one was if you spelled it wrong. Yeah, or you pronounced it wrong. Yeah. So, uh, incredible. We're going to learn a little more about the opossum right now. We have on the phone with us Beth Sparks. She, uh, she heads up the opossum's pouch rescue. This is an opossum rescue. I didn't really know that was necessary, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna find out about it right now. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? I'm great. How about you? Very good. Now, oftentimes we think of opossums as uh, a lot of times as pests and sometimes roadkill, but now we're talking about a rescue. So, what do you do? Well, um, oh gosh, it, it's 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 a big world for them out there. Um, We do anything from taking in the orphans um, that fall off mom's back or either mom gets killed in the road. Um, We do a lot of education, so we have a lot of people who stop and check the pouches. And uh, although mom, you know, may have passed, the babies are still in her pouch and of need of rescue. So we take a lot of orphans in. Um, We do anything from someone calling thinking they have a giant rat in their garage and they want it removed. Uh, So we go. We consider that just helping out with misplaced Uh opossums. And then we get a lot of them who are injured, dog attacks. Um, That's a really big one because they go in looking for a morsel of food, you know, left out by the, the owners for their dog. We get in. A lot of them are hit by a car, so we do a lot of the medical end. And fortunately... Our state allows for um, non-releasables. You know, all laws are different. And what so, state is that? Uh, we're, I'm in South Carolina. Okay. Our rescue is in South Carolina. Um, we have received possums as far away as Washington State with the proper paperwork. So we rescue them from a little bit of everywhere. If no one else will take them, we make the proper arrangements and get them in. Now, can you explain something to me? I already asked Dr. Debbie about this, but uh, I, did, I didn't understand. I, I know how mammals have babies. I'm not quite sure how marsupials have babies. And, Mar- and by the way, the opossum is the only, is North America's only marsupial. Is that correct? That's correct. So how That's do they do correct. it? Well, um, upon um, a, a night of, of flirtation and adventure um, <laughs> with the male who <laughs> takes off and, and is never seen again. Typical. Um, thir- yeah, exactly. 13 days later, um, you have 
little babies that are born and they make their way into the pouch just like a kangaroo and that's where they stay for the next on an average of about two and a half months two to two and a half and uh their eyes open they start coming out of the pouch a little bit while mom's sleeping and then as they get older they don't fit any longer and um it's just their instinct that they ride on her back and um what's what's the average what's the average size of a litter from what, and I don't know whether that varies in other areas, but it seems like the average size, if you have a small female, her average litter is going to be about seven to eight, where if you have a larger female, um, she can have up to 13. Average wow. is going to be around nine to 10. Um, now, we did have a litter of 14 last year. So they say there's only 14 teats on a mom, so that's all she can have. Uh, but we did get one in with 13, and their teats are in a circle. They're not um, oh, wow. like your dog or cat that have them in a row. So um, their teats are in a circle, and the little baby puts a vapor lock sort of on the mom, and they stay fully attached until they're old enough to where they can break loose their suckle and they start riding on her back. So removing them from the pouch can be a little bit difficult. Um, <laughs> it's like know, kicking to- that 18-year-old out of the house. You know, when pretty you're, much, you're, yeah, it's the much. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But uh, we, we do it all. We, we get calls from all over. I taught a class in Canada um, three years ago, and that was very intimidating, but it went really well. So uh, we reach out in every aspect of the possum world. Okay, I have a dome scratcher question for you here. Mm-hmm. Um, the possums, they reach maturity, you say, around six months of age, and in the wild, they may live only 12 to 18 months, which is an incredibly short amount of time, less than two years. Yes. And yes. In ca- it, it is. In captivity, they can live up to four years. And mm-hmm. that's much like, uh, by the way, just for those that don't know it, that's much like cats. That uh, if, if they were an outdoor cat, they may not live as long as an indoor cat because they're just not up against the elements, I guess. But your goal is to rehabilitate them and get them ready to release back into the wild. It seems like a a little cut. So we're releasing them back into a shorter lifespan? Well, you you either have that option or you just let them die, which is not an option in our world. Sure. Or um, we do get quite a number that are non-releasable. Our rescue right now has about... I think our last count was right at 38 that were not releasable back into the wild. And uh, that's about average. But um, And and it sounds kind of bad, but we have like a little sanctuary where we, you know, allow our guys to stay. I have 16 in my home right now that had a lovely dinner. Um, But they, (laughs) um, they, they, they're, it sounds really funny, but their turnover is so quick because of their short life you are able to rescue and take in a lot more, whereas, say, you've got a, a little squirrel that might live 12, 14 years, you yeah. know, so if they come in and start mounting up, it makes it a lot harder, but these guys have a very, very hard life in the wild. I would think that out of all the wildlife we have, they're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. Sure. You know what? I want to. I have some more questions about the opossums. We're going to take a quick break. We are with Beth Sparks. She runs the Opossums Pouch Rescue. They rescue opossums in South Carolina. Hold on a second. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. 
Hi, this is Mayim Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. In today's automotive news, the North American Car of the Year will be chosen at this year's North American International Auto Show on January 15th in Detroit, Michigan. The final three nominees' favorite is the Honda Accord, which gets some much-improved driving dynamics. Nominated is the Kia Stinger, which has dynamic looks, driving characteristics, and style. The final nominee is the Toyota Camry, America's best-selling car for the last 15 years. The Camry gets significant updates for 2018. They are all American top sellers. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. If you think putting a supercharged V8 in a sedan is crazy or just plain wrong, well, we've got news for you. We don't care. Dodge, welcome to the Brotherhood of Muscle. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio, we are with Beth Sparks, and she heads up the Opossums Pouch Rescue in South Carolina. They rescue opossums, obviously. Are there other opossum rescues in the, in the country? Do you know, there are a lot of opossum rehabbers who specialize and do only opossums. I don't know that there's any other specific rescue that that's all that they do. Now, I started out um, with another rescue. We rescued a little bit of everything. It's just opossums, they get in your blood. I mean, you just can't. They're the underdog. I've always been one for the underdog. But I don't know of another rescue that that's all they do or the opossums. But that's pretty much why we started our nonprofit and our sanctuary. And um, that that's all we do. I don't know of any others that do just the opossums. No. Well, I want to know what kind of house guests do they make? Are they nocturnal? Are they messy? Can you teach them to use a litter? Do they have an odor? This this is how um, what I and I I'm not a major advocate for taking in any wild animal. Of course, state laws doesn't allow it in many places. But I had an older opossum that came in as a rescue, found in a man's garage, and this opossum was blind. And I took him in. Um, they cage quite well because they're so happy to get out of the elements and the hard lifestyle. If they have a hammock or a bed and a good bowl of food and a place to go potty, they're they're great. This little boy, only because I was running short on cages, um, he took up residence in my kitty bed in a closet. He came out and he used a stand-up shower to go to the bathroom <laughs> and made my life very simple. But an opossum will go in water. So training them to go in a stand-up shower or your bathtub is very simple to do. They will litter train. Um, they're nocturnal. Uh, they even, even as raised as a baby, they tend to get on a nocturnal cycle. They love running on a wheel. They don't play like other mammals, but they love an exercise wheel. So I keep an oil can handy with some Wesson oil just to keep my wheels oiled so I can sleep at night. <laughs> but uh, they, they make quite lovely pets. 
And like I say, they're your thing or they're not. But most people, we have probably, oh gosh, at least eight or ten Facebook groups that's nothing but people who have opossums as pets or opossum rehabbers. And um, we're growing. We're growing daily. Dr. Debbie, you're... I'm, yeah. I have to say that, I mean, you know, we're not necessarily, Beth, you're not advocating that people run out and, and bring opossums into their homes so that they can live a longer lifespan, are you? I mean, they are a wild animal and, and they do live outdoors no more than we're going to start bringing, you know, um, raccoons and, you know, wild horses into our home. And, um, you know, we don't have tigers here, but, you know, we wouldn't bring pumas into our home as well. So, right. I, you know, I think there's, we could admire and respect them, but um, I would you know caution folks to start bringing in wild animals that they they aren't prepared to care for like a rehabilitator certainly is right well there are actually breeders there's a very big um and and i'm definitely against that but there are um there's a big breeding farm in pennsylvania and they adopt these little guys out and and i'm very much against that because not a lot of information goes out with them because with an opossum, their diet is totally different than any other animal. Uh, their medical needs, what works medicine-wise, and a lot of mammals do not work with opossums. And they, they, they don't get viruses. Very li- unlikely will you ever see them with rabies, but they get bacterial infections. So there's a lot going on, but they are up for adoption. In Florida, you can actually get a license to have one as a pet. So... We do try to do a lot of education because if you're going to have one for whatever reason, we just want to make sure the little guys are taken care of properly. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So how are you funded? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ten cup on a corner, usually. Yep. Um, <laughs> we, we do have a wonder. We have a great Facebook page of our rescue, and surprisingly, we grew very, very quickly. And we, we get donations. It's not always cash donations. We get a lot of donations of food and supplies. Um just got a freezer and refrigerator thank goodness donated for extra food and formula but it it's it's all it we're a non-profit it, it's all ran off of donations can you train a possum at all i mean are they trainable do you know i associate a possum's uh behavior very similar to a cat they can be taught different things. They certainly learn where the treat box is located, um, <laughs> and, and they can. But it, it's for the most part, it needs to be their idea. Sure. Um, they, they are that much like a cat. What is the website if people want to learn more? We we actually found our website wasn't visited like our Facebook page. Okay. But it's just simply called the Opossum Pouch Rescue and Rehab. Yeah, we'll put links to that Facebook page over at AnimalRadio.pet. And I'm sure there's a lot it's of cute pictures up there. Tons of photos. We can follow the animal stories as they come in. And um, we get a lot of wonderful people. And we get rescue calls from everywhere over the United States. And we hook them up with the proper people. Okay. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Beth. Sure. Take care of yourself. Happy to do it. Bye now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Debbie, is it true you're working on the book, How to Be Your Opossum's Best Friend? <laughs> you know what? Like I said, I respect them. I can uh, adore them from afar, but I don't want them in my house. <laughs> I, I like to sleep at night. I am definitely a morning person, so I could not have a nocturnal pet. <laughs> okay, I get that. But check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends. And if you need your fix during the week, hit us up over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
is Animal Radio Network.